It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, oh to be a grand tower alone on the sea you became the light on the dark side of me love remained a drug that's the high not the pill but did you know that when it snows my eyes become large and the light that you shine can be seen Oh baby, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray. Ooh, the more I get of you, and the stranger it feels. Yeah, yeah. Now that your rose is in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the gray. Welcome, uh, welcome to the. Uh, anniversary brothers podcast here at the pop break um if you have not seen batman forever recently you may have no idea why we sang that song uh but that was kiss from a rose from seal which played during the end credits of batman forever um and so today we are going to be talking about um the 25th anniversary of batman forever um but not just that uh we're also talking about the 15th anniversary of Batman Begins. That's right. It's a it's a double feature here. Uh, I am Josh. I'm one of your hosts. And as usual, and as in the name applied, I'm joined by my brother. Aaron, say hi. Hey. Yeah, so um, you have Aaron to thank for that idea with the opening. So uh, I thought that went pretty well. I'm happy with that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are doing two Batman movies today. So we've decided to really double up our our game so this should be this should be fun and what what inspired you aaron to to have us do two movies uh just that their release dates are really close to one another and they're almost exactly 10 years apart right so you said that um batman Batman begins came out on june 15th 2005 and Batman Forever came out on June 16th, 1995. Yes. So like you said, almost exactly 10 years apart, which is pretty wild that, you know, the franchise, well, the franchise went through a lot between that time. And I'm sure that's something we'll get into. So, um, I mean, getting into it, uh, what are your, you know, relationships with both of these Batman films? So I we didn't see Batman. Well, I'm going to kind of speak for both of us since it's one of those cases where we all see the same movie. What you know, until we reach a certain age, we always saw the same movie at the same time. Right. Um, with Batman Forever, we didn't see it in theaters uh, because the first movie that we saw in theaters was Toy Story, which hadn't come out yet. Mm. Um. We saw it on, I don't know if we saw it in full on 
videotape on VHS. Well, we saw a good portion of it. Our cousin showed us it. Um, because actually, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there because I, I, you definitely saw it in full. Because I remember we borrowed it from Sean um, when we were getting our tonsils removed, or was yeah we we got it when we were getting our tonsils removed, and you woke up before I did from anesthesia, and you watched all of it. And I woke up during the credits. You see, I don't... If you say I saw all of it, because I, you know, I remember watching some of it, but, I mean, obviously that was so long ago that this... You know, I hardly remember seeing Toy Story in theaters either, so it's it's very possible that I watched the entire thing. You also were waking up from anesthesia, so I don't anticipate yeah. you'd have the best memory. But yeah, so, you you probably saw more of it than oh you definitely saw at least some of more of it than, than i did and then we eventually both saw it together in full right it wasn't a movie that it wasn't on tv a lot but they did show it yeah and and we, and we eventually got it on blu-ray right but it was never something that we had on vhs no we no we had batman and rob on the vhs and we watched the crap out of that. But we're not talking about Batman Robin. That'll be for, I guess, two years from now when we talk about that. Um, but yeah, so that that's... So we, we didn't have a direct experience with Batman Forever and definitely not an in-theater experience with it. Um, what about Batman Begins? So Batman Begins, we both did see in theaters together. We just turned 13. Uh... Near the end of the school year, May, uh, I think we saw it with our mom. Uh, maybe, probably. Well, we did see it alone. Well, yeah. But yeah, so, I guess, okay. Did you, so, do you think we saw it, like, fairly early in its release? Yeah, I don't think that we waited that long to see it. Okay. For some reason, I would say we saw it on a Sunday after church, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. That just came to mind. Um, but yeah, so we saw that one in theaters. And do you remember anything else about your your initial experience with Batman Begins? Um, we'll get into it a little bit, but I was a little confused of it being a reboot because I didn't really understand what that was. So I was confused when certain things didn't match up with the 89 Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And that's which that's I, actually... I'm pretty sure I'd seen on TV before then. Oh yeah. We saw that on like sci-fi or something like during a snowstorm, I think, but you go to another podcast for that. We already talked about that movie. Um, so do you remember this, this is a bit of a tangent. Do you remember before Batman Begins came out when there were, um, previews before movies and it looked like at one point they were hinting at a new Batman, but instead it was Scooby-Doo. Well, that was the joke, but yeah. Yeah, right. They were, they were, they wanted you to think it was Batman, but it was really the live action Scooby-Doo. I will never forgive them for that. Uh, I mean, there was just a period of time when it was just 
kind of confusion is like, didn't they say like another Batman movie was going to come out? And you had to wait like seven years. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, going to that. So you mentioned that Batman Begins was a reboot. So um, where is Batman Forever's uh, place in that, in the franchise then? So Batman Forever itself is sort of like a mini reboot in that it changes the look of Gotham. It changes a lot of the actors. Well, maybe not a lot of the actors. It changed the actor who plays Batman. It changed the director. Um, but there are still a few references to events of the previous two movies. Um, I, I find I feel like people didn't really understand what a reboot was at the time. Well, they, in terms of superhero films, they haven't, they didn't have any. Right. These, all of the Superman films that came out before this were all. Yeah. They're all. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a really the first chance for any sort of reboot. And so they just decided to go with a soft one. I, I, yeah, I guess you could call it that. Well, I mean, I don't think it's a hard reboot. No, well, it's not a full reboot. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, it, it's still part of the same series, I guess. I know, I, I consider all of the, the Batman movies from um, 89 through the 90s to be like one Batman series. And then um, the, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy to be its own separate trilogy. Or right. do, do you not do not view it that way? I do. I do. And I don't. Um, the Burton films are very distinct from mm. the Schumacher, Joel Schumacher, who directed Batman Forever and Batman Robin. They're very distinct from one another, even though Tim Burton, Tim Burton did produce Batman Forever. So he was still attached to it. Which is somewhat hard to believe because this is, well, the, 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 some of the wackier parts are a bit Tim Burton-esque, but it's definitely not dark enough to be a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, so... The answer is kind of both. Like... The Schumacher films kind of need the other... I guess maybe the previous films more than the previous films need the Schumacher films, but right. Well, there's no way the Schumacher films would have existed without the Burton films. Right. But there's no, you, there's no right way in my opinion to view the movies. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the weird gray area that Batman forever existed in. Um, but you, you mentioned Batman begins was a, um, a full reboot. And so, that that confused you at the time when you first saw it? Yeah, the biggest thing that I was confused about is, and I, I don't think this is a spoiler since the movie came out 30 years ago, or almost 31 now, um, but uh, I was confused why the Joker didn't kill his parents. Mm-hmm. Right, because in Batman Begins, they, they have... The character Joe Kill, Joe Joe Kill, wow, Joe Chill, um, <laughs> be the one that kills uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne. 
Um, and I always am a little sketchy. Is he who kills them in the comics? I think in most versions of the comics he is. Okay. Because that, that was something strange or different that Batman 89 did. Yeah. Um, and even, like, I think that was a sort of controversial choice with fans, and I think even the screenwriters were certain kind of hesitant about it. I, I remember watching an interview where one of the guys said, you know, I plead the fifth, you know, I, I didn't write that. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But so for for you, um, you know, being 13 when you saw Batman again, that, that was confusing difference in that the, the continuity had changed. Yeah, because... And it's not like I had seen that many movies and, you know, there weren't... Reboots were kind of... They're common now. They weren't back then. Mm-hmm. Right. And so... But but Batman Begins is like you said it's a, it's a full reboot so it it has no connection whatsoever to the the Byrne films the Schumacher films and it arguably if not definitively had to be rebooted because of how poorly the Schumacher films did. Well, it's not that they did. Well, Batman Forever didn't do poorly. Hmm. Um. Right, it had a budget of a hundred million and made over three hundred million, so it did did pretty well. Batman and Robin, let's see. Batman and Robin had a success of one hundred and sixty million and got about two hundred forty million back, so it did not did not near, do nearly as well. So okay, so it's not that the Schumacher films were necessarily uh, financially unsuccessful, but is it fair to say that they were not critically loved or loved by fans? I don't know. The response to Batman forever, I think was always mixed. Whereas the response to Batman and Robin was always negative. Unless you were five when you saw it, like we were. Yeah. Oh man, I used to love that movie. That was a a hard realization that it was not good. But and, and so that's the reason why Batman Begins exists. And that's the reason why there was a like you said, like a seven year period when um there was no Batman films, is because they had to really figure out what they wanted to do with the franchise after it really took such a hit with Batman and Robin. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it, it might have been eight years. Wait. 97 to 2005? Yeah, it's not like eight years? Yeah, that would be eight years, depending that's on... A, that's a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, now, considering how long did it take them to, to return to Batman after The Dark Knight Rises? Well, it only took them, like, four years. Yeah. So... And then you got like Spider-Man, Spider-Man. There's <laughs> within 20 years, we've already had three of them mm-hmm. or four. If you include the, the Spider-Verse. Um, but anyway, so 
that's kind of one of the reasons why I think it was interesting that you decided to, to pick to talk about forever and begins, um, going into their, their plots. I mean, I feel like their plots are pretty straightforward, but do you want to go ahead and, um, cover them? All right. Um, so the plot of Batman forever is, I don't know. He has, (laughs) (laughs) there is a plot there somewhere. He's trying to catch the Riddler and two face and he gets a new partner in Robin. Yep. That's, that's about it. That's about I mean, there's a, there's a, a love subplot. Like most of these Batman movies have, Um, which we'll, we'll get into that. (laughs) Yeah. And then Batman begins is all about how Bruce Wayne trains to become Batman and goes back to Gotham city to begin his, uh, crusade against the criminal underworld. Right. Cause as the, the name implies, it is definitely a, the, you know, an origin story. It's his beginning as Batman. And in that movie, he fights Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow. Yes. So g- going into that, I, I, I do want to hear your thoughts. And I know something I, I talked to you about briefly before we started recording. Um, so Batman Begins is definitely an origin story. Do you think that Batman Forever is an origin story or like more of an origin story than the rest of the films from the 90s? Not it has flashbacks, but I don't really consider it. I don't consider it to be an origin story. I somewhat do because I mean, Batman Returns doesn't go into you know Bruce's um, early childhood all that much, and the the Batman from nineteen eighty nine just really goes right into him being Batman outside Batman, she's Batman. Um, other than a few, um, flashbacks to his parents being murdered by, um, Jack Napier. So I think it, it's not an origin story, Batman forever, but I think it's, it's more based in Batman's origins than any of the other films from the nineties were. That's it's a Robin fair, origin story. It is a Robin origin story. So I, I guess that's, there you go. It is an origin story, but it's not for Batman. So as you mentioned, um, they had a new Batman, or a new actor playing Batman in Batman Forever, and that was Val Kilmer. So how do you feel about Val Kilmer in the role compared to Michael Keaton and just overall? Uh, I think... He makes more sense, honestly, than when they first cast Keaton, because Keaton doesn't really. Keaton's like a lot shorter. He's not as built. Uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't come across as like your typical Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Val Kilmer fits more of that, I guess. Um. I think I 
generally like him in this movie in Batman Forever. Um, I think he's a little better as Bruce Wayne than he is as Batman. Um, hmm. Wait, what do you think? Um, I don't really have any complaints with his performance. I think he's he's a perfectly fine Batman and Bruce Wayne. I think. I think he's just forgettable if you think of all the other performances. Like, it's not that he's bad in the role. Um, it's just that there's nothing he really does that distinguishes him, in my mind, from the others. The only thing is that his lips look weird in the suit. <laughs> he has big lips. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I, I feel bad making fun of his appearance like that. But, like, when, when you're Batman, you need to have a good, strong jawline. And, like, your face needs to, to look right underneath the mask. And, I don't know, his... His lips just don't quite look right. Um, but he he does, I mean, he does good things. And I, I would agree that his Bruce Wayne is probably more memorable than his, uh, his Batman. Although I really don't understand what he does with his glasses throughout the movie. Did you notice that? He has glasses in... Well, he has it in, like, the first scene at Wayne Enterprises. Does he yeah, have but, glasses again? Um, yeah, he does it again at the um, the party for the for Enigma Tech. He is, um, Sometimes the he wears, uh, maybe in, in this, this Batman wears glasses. And sometimes he wears contacts. I mean, I'm not, that's not what I'm good for. It's just... He always, in every scene he has them, he has to take them off and, like, put them back on. Like, he's always oh, taking like glasses on. that's just, thing. It's just annoying for me. It's, like, decide, do you want the glasses on or off? Fine, that's, that's nitpicky. And, I, and that's, maybe that was Schumacher's decision. Maybe that wasn't, wasn't Kilmer's. But, I don't know. Speaking of, of Kilmer, I know there was a, a recent interview with him, um, it might, I think it was in the New York times actually. Um, or it was a, I saw it at a New York times podcast, um, where they were talking about his career and how it kind of, kind of fell apart after this, um, in terms of his acting career and being in big bunch of things, because what, what was Kilmer known for before this? Top gun. Was that it? Was it just Top Gun? I mean, I, I, it may be something else, but Top Gun is the big thing. Okay. I mean, that's what I, that's the. Yeah, not yeah. looking. He was in Heat. Yeah, Heat came out this year too. So, the, 1995 was a big year for him. Yeah. Uh, and in Real Genius. I don't know that. One. Okay. Um, but so he, he, he hasn't really done a whole lot since then. Um, and so it was, it was just interesting to think about that because in some ways he reminds me of some of those, um, actors who played James Bond that did it once and then just kind of, or did it a few times and then just kind of just fell off. You know what I mean? Yeah, certainly if you're talking about like somebody like George Lazenby who did it once and then they went back to Sean Connery, he's uh, 
or even Timothy Dalton only did it a couple times. He didn't have as nearly as big of an impact on the role as uh, even somebody like Pierce Brosnan, who did it four times. Yeah, so that's that's how I view Kilmer, is that he he was somewhat of a placeholder. Um, and that's, like I said, that's not to say that he does a bad job in the movie, just that he's not as memorable as others. So, um, in, in contrast then, so Batman Begins, you had Christian Bale, who uh, at the time was really not well-known, which is kind of wild considering how incredibly well-known he is now. Um, how, how do you feel about Christian Bale as Batman? I know that's somewhat of a loaded question. I don't know if it's a loaded question. I, I've, I mean, I like him a lot better. He's, um, I think he arguably gives his best performance in this, in Batman Begins. Um, well, he's the most screen time in this compared to the other movies. Oh, well, he, he has, they, they cut his screen time definitely in the last one, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's a very different, well, there are similarities in their sort of inner darkness, but his public persona as Bruce Wayne is very different from Val Kilmer's. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest difference between them is how they play Bruce Wayne. Because, like, Kilmer, like, he he he's makes Bruce Wayne look smart, and, like, he's not actively trying to hide his persona and just, like, playing it off of being, you know, just like a, a shallow playboy but Kirsten Bale definitely brings that to the role which do you have a preference for their either portrayal of Bruce Wayne then the, I mean the Bale one is the one I'm more used to but I, I wouldn't say that one is necessarily <sighs> Bale's is definitely more memorable Yeah, it's more memorable. And in some ways, it's more in line with Michael Keaton's. Because Michael Keaton's Batman was a bit bumbling. Well, actually, he, was, he wasn't. He was bumbling. He wasn't really playboyish. So I guess everyone's kind of done Bruce Wayne differently. Right, because then Clooney was like suave, but not necessarily like a smart guy. George Clooney just played George Clooney. Fair, fair. And when you're a George Clooney, you can get away with that. Um, I, I guess the reason why I said it was a loaded question is because I know it's it's become really popular to criticize Christian Bale's performance. Which do you, do you have you seen that as well? I always just assume that was more towards the the latter two movies. I. I know there were some people who, if we're going to get into his voice, because that's probably the biggest thing, uh, his Batman voice, people did kind of make fun of like the one scene where he's holding Flash upside down. He's like, swear to me. <laughs> well, I love that scene, so. But um, 
I always thought that the criticism of his performance was more the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises because in this movie, again, I don't know for sure. Um, I think for the Dark Knight, they like his voice is like processed through something like they edited it to sound a certain way. Whereas Hmm. this one is just his, his natural acting. I could be wrong, but I always thought he was just always putting on that, that voice in dark Knight and dark Knight rise, but maybe you're right. I'm, I'm not sure about that either, but, um, it's a lot more controlled in, well, it's definitely more consistent in the other two movies, but it does a better job of disguising his voice, but it it just is all over the place. Yeah. And, and that is the, the biggest criticism, I think. Because otherwise, I haven't... But, but in this movie, he has... A, there's a gruffness to his voice, but he never goes too far. Yeah. I know. I, I, I know we're talking about Batman gets not the, the trilogy overall, but I am still a defender of the voice, the, the, the gargling marbles kind of voice that they gave Batman. Just because if, if you're trying to disguise your identity, I feel like it's important to not sound like someone very famous and well-known. Like, I know everyone always makes fun of Clark Kent's disguise of, you know, the... But the glasses are coming off or you're putting them on and then, wow, I can't recognize you as Superman anymore. So I feel like like everyone should be able to recognize Bruce Wayne's voice if he's not putting on um, some other voice. And so I think it's an important part. And he, he definitely doesn't do it as much. Uh, Bale doesn't definitely do it as much in this one. So that that's something I forgot about. I just assumed he did it at all in, in all of them. But... Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that I, I have just gotten accustomed to because I don't think that does Kilmer put on a different voice at all. He might be like a hair deeper as Batman, but it's pretty similar to his normal voice. Right. Yeah. I think since, Batman Begins, the tendency has been to deepen your voice as Batman or, or change your voice. Because I know in the animated series from the 90s that Kevin Conroy did. Oh, well, yeah, his is a very clear example of, like, he has a completely different voice for Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. And then when, when Conroy returned to the role for the Arkham games, he definitely um, changed his voice even more. But I, don't, I, I think it, as much as people make fun of Bale, I think it's an important part of his performance and it's something that I will continue to defend. Um, but other, other than the actors themselves, um, uh, there's so much that goes into Batman. So the, the other thing that comes to mind is just the suits. So how, do you have a preference for one suit over the other? I like both these suits. Um, I think that I can't obviously gloss over is the fact that there are nipples on Val Kilmer's suit. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't think it's as big a deal as some people make. Um, but they are there. <laughs> it's a little over the top, or whatever you want to say. Um, it's noticeable. It's, it's not. It's noticeable, but um, I do prefer Bale's bat suit. Uh, this is his first bat suit. He got a, a new one in the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's overall a good bat suit. Uh, it does look a little. I mean, so does. Kilmer's. It does look a little rubbery compared to his next one, but mm. and that is something that I think all superhero films have tried to address as they've um, gone higher budgets. Is like how realistic do you want the suits to look, or how comics accurate do you want them to look? Because I'm, you know, I, I think. The, the Batman Forever suit looks, it, look, it looks very rubbery. Um, and I think even, um, what's it, um, Dr. Meridian Chase, played by... Um, Chase Meridian. Chase Meridian, yeah, flip that. Um, Chase Meridian, played by Nicole Kidman, like makes a comment about uh, Batman wearing black rubber. And just, it I don't know, it just doesn't, sound if you if if you're gonna go out you would wear something with more protection than rubber right like it i think the idea is that he's supposed to have a a good suit that stops bullets and knives and things and i don't know how much protection you're gonna get from a rubber suit so i i i think the the batman begin suit looks better but i still don't think it's as good as the the one you mentioned from the dark knight i think that is my favorite bat suit um I know some people will go out and claim that the one from Batman v Superman is the best, but I, I would strongly disagree with that. Um, what about the like the technology? Because the other thing that Batman is known for is his gadgets. So, who who has the better technology? The better gadgets. Well, I think that. They try to keep. I don't. We. I. We even mentioned. We even said Christopher Nolan's name. Who's Christopher Nolan? Christopher Nolan, director of the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, Never he, heard of tr- him. he tries to keep it more of a uh, grounded approach to the technology that you can mostly believe that it actually exists. Mm. Whereas. I don't know, there's a flashiness to the Schumacher I mean, it's definitely we have, like, the lasers in the Batman and Robin, but just in this one, like, he has, like, a special pod, he goes down like a slide he goes down to get into Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, that goes from like Wayne Tower to the, yeah, the and um, he has like a like a wristwatch that's like a video screen. <laughs> he does. He had an Apple Watch. So I feel like Val Kilmer's is more high tech. 
in a more showy way. Right. And I think that's one of the biggest differences between them is that Batman Forever is a very showy movie. It's a very over-the-top movie. And Batman Begins was the first film that really tried to be grounded in the Batman um, franchise. I mean, even if you go back to um, Adam West Batman, you know, he's got the the dehydration ray or whatever and, you know, all this other nonsense um, technology. So Batman Begins was definitely the first grounded depiction of Batman in film. Is that is that fair to say? Or the most grounded? It was definitely to the most grounded since the Keaton movies. But then we talked we talked about when we did the podcast for that how Joker ha- pulls a giant gun out of his pants and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. And he has like the joy buzzer that electrocutes the guy. Yes. So yeah, this is much more grounded than any of the Batman movies previous. But if you had to pick, would you rather have Bale's um, technology and vehicles or Kilmer's vehicles and technology? That's a, uh, like if I had to choose personally. Uh, that's yeah. I might actually go with Kilmer's, but just because it's more fancy, but. Um, I don't know. One thing that I really liked about the tech in Batman Begins is that that Batman still uses a grappling hook, but they gave him the ability to glide. Yes, which I think is just like such a like genius addition to the Batman character. Was that in the comics at all? He would have like a paraglider, but like never his cape, as far as I know. Hmm. Yeah, so then, for, for, for them to give him like this memory cloth cape, you run a current through it and you can glide. It just. I, I don't know if they've adapted that into the comics at all, but like it just seems so natural to the character. I'm like almost surprised that nobody thought of it before then. Well, they at least incorporated into the Arkham games, right? Right. Well, he yeah, he glides in, in those games. Yeah. So they they owed that to them, but it. Um, of course, if we're talking about tech, we also have to talk about the Batmobile. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That was something else I was going to bring up. These are very very different Batmobiles. Right. Uh, Kilmer's is kind of tacky, honestly, but. <laughs> what, what do you mean, like the the big like fins and everything? I mean, there. Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about how they reinvented things. Um, Batman Begins ha- basically makes the Batmobile into a tank, which on I don't know if on its own that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> Well, it's the least car-like of all the the Batmobiles. It's more of a Humvee than it is a car. Or like you said, a tank. 
Yeah. Um, but I think that goes into the, the groundedness that we talked about. E- even when he's flying on rooftops. Okay, that that's definitely over the top. But the idea that you know, if someone was actually going to be driving a you know a multi-million billion dollar car um, through the streets to fight crime, they would want something with a lot of serious protection, and you're not going to get that from something that looks like a hot mobile or uh, no hot, hot wheels. Hot wheels. There we go. Jeez, um, I can't talk today. Maybe we shouldn't have recorded today. <laughs> um, so, whereas, I don't know, I, I think you'd want something that has that kind of functionality to it, even if it isn't the prettiest. Because the Tumbler, which is the name of the, the Batmobile and Batman Begins, is definitely not a pretty car. No, uh, it looks better in black, though, than it did in the original color. Right, like the, the desert camouflage. I mean, I don't know how well you're going to be able to camouflage a huge tank. but <laughs> Right, and then it has the, the great line of, uh, does he come in black? Which I, I feel like people forget how funny this movie is. Or Batman Begins, that is. Yeah, no, I think that people don't give... Uh, not to rag too much. I mean, I think you can already tell which movie we like better. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, Batman Forever is a movie that tries to be funny and Batman Begins is a movie that is funny <laughs> harsh but accurate I'd say um, but I think that's like a good if you had to compare the humor bef- between the two um, there's a lot of like I don't know, more situational or witty lines that people give in uh, Batman Begins, whereas most of the comedy for Batman Forever comes from Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, and so if, you, if you're not a fan of Jim Carrey's particular brand of comedy, you're not going to get a lot of mileage out of it. And, and I know you're you're a bigger fan of Jim Carrey than I am, but... It sounds like you don't think all of his material hits. I mean, I enjoy it, but when we, when I was watching it and we were, I was watching this with my family, I'm pretty sure he was getting on our dad's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, but, it's but our Harry. mom said that he did a really good job. He did a very Jim Carrey job, I would say. No, well, I, well, I, I said I, that. He kind of took the performance that he did in the mask and kind of ran with it for the next like several years. Which is, I mean, if you're going to get paid for it, then sure. Why not? And, and he, I mean, he's still getting paid for that. It sounds like that's more or less what he did in Sonic that jog. Yeah. So, um, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the bad guys because that was, I think another way of how these two films are very different in that I'm, I don't want to say that there's no humor because there, there are some, some jokes that Liam Neeson's Ra's al Ghul and, um, 
uh, what's his face? Cillian Murphy's Killian Murphy's. I can never say his name. Um, do you know which one it is? Cillian or Killian? I think, I think it's Ki- actually not. Don't listen to me. I don't know what it is. Okay. Murphy's Murphy's, um, scarecrow is they, they make some jokes here and there, but they are very serious. I've got a plan and I'm going to execute it. Bad guys. Whereas you have Jim Carrey and, um, Tommy Lee Jones are probably the biggest comic relief of the movie of Batman forever. Which is weird because I do not think of Tommy Lee Jones as a comedic person. I feel like he kind of tried to out Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey in some of the scenes. Yeah. Like he tried to bring the same level of energy. Which I think I would appreciate if I was an actor. I'd want someone to to really play off my energy and kind of pick up what I was laying down. But so it doesn't work. That's that's another story. But yeah, I so I think I don't know. I think that he makes an interesting villain, but I don't think he makes a particularly good two face. So, so you think Tom Lee Jones makes a good villain, but not a good two face. Well, I think it's more the way he's written than the way he acts. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think something that you and I have talked about before is that both Jim Carrey as a Riddler and, um, Tommy Lee Jones, Two Face, they aren't necessarily typical portrayals of the character or, or typical um, ways the characters are written. Because they're, I, I don't usually think of the Riddler and Two Face as being comedic, um, especially Two Face. I can I usually consider being a really like tortured, traumatized character, um, and they really just kind of turn these into two versions of the Joker. Kind is that, of. Is I, that going I, too I far? So there's definitely a lot of inspiration from the Frank Gorshin uh, version of the Riddler from the uh, 60s Batman. Mm-hmm. In that he, he sort of had a zaniness to him, but Jim Carrey just takes it to another level. Yeah, I guess I, I hadn't considered that. And then Two-Face wasn't even in was Two-Face ever in? They the considered 60s? it, but I think they thought he was too dark of a character. <laughs> they would have been right. Um, right. So I, I guess that's true. So Riddler has been portrayed in more comical lights, but I don't typically think of him as a comedic character or comedic villain. Definitely more recently he has not been portrayed that way. Right. More recently he's very obsessive and uh, condescending towards Batman. Yeah, that's that's a good description of him. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, this this version is still obsessive that um, the Riddler is obsessed with um, trying to ruin Bruce Wayne, but it's it's not quite the same. So do you, I, I'm assuming that you're going to have more uh, complimentary things to say about Liam Neeson and however you pronounce his first name, Murphy. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Liam Neeson just commands every scene that he's in. Uh, I mean, he's he's just a master. Um, uh, and I think it's Cillian Murphy, but I could be wrong. Um, he he has a really he has like a creepiness to him that a lot of actors don't. I think he works with it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and according to Wikipedia, it's pronounced Killian. Oh, okay, it's Killian Murphy. So, I, I don't know, as always, how much I should trust Wikipedia on this, but I'm going to go for it. Um, yeah, he, he brings a creepiness to it, which is, I think, appropriate for Scarecrow, who is probably one of the creepiest Batman villains. Do you think it's do you think it was a, a good move to include two villains in both of these films? I think in Forever that even though a lot of the plot involves Two-Face that he's overshadowed by the Riddler. Um, yeah. He's definitely overshadowed the merchandising. But I don't know I think it works having two villains in Batman Begins. Um, yeah, and I I think it works because and I really appreciate that they went with two villains that hadn't been done yet on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and I think it works because Scarecrow is a hench villain or uh, like a secondary villain. Um, but Ra's al Ghul, as the main villain isn't on screen or isn't even, um, you, you don't even know about him for most of the movie that, you know, that Scarecrow is working for someone, but you don't know who it is until, um, the beginning of the third act or like halfway through the third act. I'm not sure how you would mark this act structure. Um, and I would agree with that Liam Neeson really delivers um, a good performance, which is not surprising because it is Liam Neeson. I mean, he trained Obi-Wan Kenobi. He played a lion God. He can do anything. Um, I, I think the, the moment that made me laugh the most though, was when he was talking about um, his, his love being taken from him. And I just, I had to chuckle at that. Uh, taken. I know that was, that was a, a cheap joke that, um, well, taken came out after this. I believe it did. Um, so I, does it, do you think that we're ever going to go back to Batman movies with one villain? Cause it seems like there's ever since Batman returns, it's, it, they've always had to have at least two. I really don't think anytime soon that they're going to go back to one villain. And I think that's just because Batman has better villains than most comic book characters. Hmm. It's true. I, I can't deny that as much as I, the, the only, the only character who I think who can rival his criminal gallery, um, is Spider-Man. Yeah, no, no doubt. The, those, 
Everybody else has like one or two really good villains. Yeah, but yeah, Superman's rogue gallery is pretty crappy. Outside of Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor and Zod. Yeah, but like Zod is sort of boring because like he just has the same powers as he does. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Batman has a a very large rogues gallery that um, it, it, it makes storytellers want to bring in multiple villains because there's so many uh, characters and tools to play with. Um, and I, I, who knows with the the next Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, who they'll have. I know they've at least cast um, someone as the penguin. I can't remember who. Isn't Colin Farrell? That sounds right. Although I was Colin Farrell and Colin Firth are always mixed up. There should not be that many cons in Hollywood. I know I just named two, but I just can't remember who's who. I need to figure out like a a, a trick to remember that. Um, anything else memorable to you about like Razagul and Scarecrow that um, I mean, it sounds like you, you think pretty highly of them compared to the Riddler and Two Face. Again, I'll, I'll say I enjoy Jim Carrey for being Jim Carrey, but I don't know that he really does it as like a like your villain. He's kind of, because it's Jim Carrey. He's almost a little too. If you like Jim Carrey, like do you really want to see Jim Carrey lose? <laughs> well, it depends on how obnoxious you are. Like, are if if you're. You know, if you're a dad and you think he is, then then you might. Um, I that that's a good point. I I think for me, it's just so jarring to see Two Face have that same energy because I just never think of Two Face being that sort of character. Um, that he's you know psychologically scarred, but he's not maniacal like you know giggling through a crime scene um and so i i guess i think most of that has to do with just bringing in jim carrey i know that there was a few other actors who they looked at to play the riddler um i think i remember reading that they wanted to have um Robin Williams played the Riddler. He was another person that was up for it. And I, I don't know. How do you think that would have gone? Well, I feel like if they had Robin Williams, they could have gone the more serious route because obviously he was good at doing, well, not that Jim Carrey couldn't do serious. He can, but I think, I think if they wrote it differently, I mean, the movie would have to be, like, completely, like, totally different. But, um, if they wrote it differently... That he could have been an interesting Riddler. Mm. But if he was just going to do the same thing as Jim Carrey, I mean... 
there are definitely similarities in their comedic style, but um, I would probably just prefer Jim Carrey. Yeah. But if they were going to do something different, then Robin Williams would be an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I guess that's a good point. And, and you've convinced me to be a little bit kinder to Jim Carrey because it's, I think that Jim Carrey does what Jim Carrey is known to do. And I think they knew that when they cast him. And so I can't blame Jim Carrey for that because <laughs> Jim Carrey is doing his, he's doing his thing. He's doing his act and he, 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 depending on how much mileage you get from his antics um, brings a lot of the, the fun and zaniness to this movie that can make it enjoyable. So I don't think you, you can say the same thing about, uh, you know, Killian Murphy. (laughs) Although he has a few good one-liners, I'd say. Like when he, sets Batman on fire. Oh, it tells me he needs to lighten up. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you consider that to be funny, I don't know if I consider that to be, I get to the dark humor. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he thought that was funny. Like, I think, you know, he, he was like writing that down in his journal the day before. Like, if I ever see Batman light him on fire, this will be the perfect line. Um, so I, I know earlier, um, we mentioned Nicole Kidman's character, um, Chase Meridian. Did I say it right that time? Yeah. Not Meridian Chase. Okay. Ooh. Um, and so in Batman Forever, she plays, um, Bruce Wayne's love interest and she's a, a criminal psychologist, um, who is very interested in Batman and his, um, I don't know, his psychological profile, I guess. I was just going to say Batman and his body. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can, can we talk about Chase Meridian? Yeah. I yeah. feel like she is like one of the most poorly written women in any movie I have seen in memory. I think that they're okay. Well, in in defense of the movie, I think I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's only there to throw herself at Batman. Like that's that. Well, okay. She's she's there to throw herself at Batman and then provide, um, you know, uh, therapy to Bruce Wayne, which is a very unethical situation on multiple levels. Um, but it's, I mean, she's really just there to be the love interest, which is, I don't, I, I feel bad for Nicole Kidman. Um, because she's, she's a great actress and she has done a lot of good work and I feel like they did not give her anything to work with. Except to like give Batman better mize in every scene. Right? He's like even in the in the very first scene she she appears in, like she's already hitting on him, right? Pretty much. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know. You, you, do you think I'm being too hard? No, I think your criticism is pretty fair. Um, I think that there's, they at least have chemistry to a certain degree. Uh, I guess I'd agree with that. C- compared to, there's like there, there's at least something there. Yeah, I, I, I will agree with that, or I will accept that. But I don't think. I, I would argue that it, it the love story is also really makes it's really weird characterization of Batman also. Well, what do you mean? Just like that he so seriously considers giving up being Batman to be with her. Well, isn't that what Christian Bale's Batman does in the later parts of the Dark Knight trilogy? Like where he's, he's willing to to give up being Batman to be with Rachel I guess, but it's like he doesn't really understand his motivation to be Batman in this movie. Like he has That's to true. he has to remember it, which is weird. Right, that he's repressed his his memories of his parents' deaths and his I like those scenes and they have some of the more traditional Batman darkness. Um and I think that I, I mean I there might be a book or whatever written about all the Batman movies that were made that um, Joel Schumacher for all of his uh, his oddities and some of his uh, interpretations he did want there to be a certain level of darkness to Batman and because uh, parents didn't like how dark Batman Forever or Batman Returns was there was a lot of pushback by Warner Brothers to lighten it up and make it more uh, tailored to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong, but the reason that he changed his suits might have actually been so they should sell more toys. <laughs> really. Yeah, I could be wrong, but that might that might have been Warner Brothers' ideas of we're going to sell a separate Batman toy. I mean, huh. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, so I, I'm I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but while you're talking about that, does does that mean? And am I being too harsh on Schumacher? Is this more of a Warner Brothers? Um, uh, is Warner Brothers more at fault for the issues with Batman I think, Forever? I think there's there's enough blame <laughs> to go around, um, but you'd really have to look at what has been written about because I, I'm not I don't claim to be super knowledgeable. Um, 
But I but, do think that Schumacher wanted to be a little closer to Burton than the movie ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say right now that I don't think Joe Schumacher is a bad director. Um, I think that if you look at some of his other movies, um, particularly uh, if you if you really want to watch like a, a well-directed Joel Schumacher movie, watch Phone Booth, uh, which uh, I watched a few weeks ago it's on hulu or at least it was um this is like a i guess you could call it psychological thriller. it's a thriller mm-hmm. it's got Colin farrell it's got Kiefer sutherland uh, uh katie holmes is in it too oh um and you know he also directed uh the lost boys which isn't that it's not my favorite movie, but it's not a, when I saw it. It's pretty good. Um, he's also directed a couple of John Grisham uh, adaptations. Uh, he did The Clients with uh, um, with Tommy Jones before this movie. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. So. And I remember like him doing Fan of the Opera was pretty entertaining. So it's like, I don't think that Joel Schumacher is a bad director. I just don't know if he was the best person for Batman. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. And I guess I have to check my own bias and how much I blame the director for the faults of a movie. Because um, sometimes I, I guess I misinterpret directors as being the person who is entirely in charge but i mean joe schumacher didn't he didn't have any writing credits for for forever um he didn't he didn't have any story credits um and then same thing for um for batman and robin he didn't he didn't write it he didn't um he didn't even produce it so i don't think i think i may have been overly harsh on schumacher i mean i think there's um This is sort of a tangent, I guess. Uh, Go for it. Okay, so one of the things that tends to annoy people about his movies, or not his movies in general, but his uh, Batman, his Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, is the homoerotic overtones. Uh, Joel Schumacher is gay, but and I think some of that comes off as ignorance from people, especially back in the day. Um, Mm. but also, um, I know I was reading a really interesting article that I didn't necessarily agree with, but I thought it was an interesting angle where they interpret, interpreted Bruce Wayne's like dichotomy in this movie as being like bisexual Mm. and that like, the line like he's both attracted to chase and to robin um and that they throw around the word partner a lot okay i don't necessarily buy it because i don't really see there there's no i don't see any sexual chemistry between val kilmer and uh chris o'donnell yeah well, but I find it an interesting interpretation. Yeah, and I, 
I mean, I think that is an interpretation you can make. And I, that is something that has been dissected in the Batman comics since the fifties, I think with, right. Um, but I was obviously more, they were portraying bat Batman as like a creep who was interested in Robin as a kid, but they age right. up Robin in this. Right. And, and that's why it could be a, a valid or, um, a healthier interpretation um, in Batman Forever because um, they never really make it clear how old Robin's supposed to be in Batman Forever, but he he seems like he is an adult um, or just on the, the cusp of being an adult. Um, whereas historically, Robin um, is usually um, an adolescent or a teenager. So um, I think that. I know I, I hadn't thought about that part of it, um, but I, I think you're right that a lot of the criticism of Forever and Batman and Robin comes from um, the overtones, and I think that I mean I'll admit like I am guilty of having faults in the movie for that in the past, and um, you know I, I regret that because I think a, a lot of like if if you listen to some of the commentaries or interviews um like schumacher makes it pretty clear where he's coming from with it in that it's um it's it's paying homage to um you know like greco-roman architecture um and having um a lot of statues that represent um the human body and the human figure and celebrating that and how um the even the even the, the the nipples on the suit that you mentioned earlier are reminiscent of the suits of armor worn by uh, I was I'm not sure if it's by centurions or by um, some Greek warriors or whoever um, would would have that kind of um, detail on their armor and so it, it's it's paying. Uh, homage to that and i think i mean i think that's a that's a fair point but i think too many times and like i said it includes me it was used as kind of a punchline to to make fun of these i mean you don't have to like it this is the way it is right but of, of all the things to fault these movies for i don't think that is a fair thing to criticize because i think it's a it's a stylistic choice just like having Gotham be a gritty, more um, grounded um, place in Batman Begins was just a stylistic choice. Yeah, so, I, um, I, they're both valid interpretations of Gotham. Um, yeah. I will say that some of the... The CGI in Batman Forever has not aged particularly well. Okay, that that is a fair level of criticism. Um, um, it, part of the city that he tried to make was CGI, and it just looks like it was made on a computer. Yeah, which it which it was. <laughs> um, but no, it's even when we talked about Tim Burns Batman, that you know it, it was very gothic in its depiction of. Um, Gotham City. So there, there was no right way to depict Gotham, but 
if you're going to do it, you at least should try to make it look good. And yeah, some of that CGI did not age well at all from Batman Forever. Right. I certainly prefer the Batman Begins. Uh, I think out of all the Nolan movies that Batman Begins, uh, Gotham has the most. It's is the most distinctive. I feel like as he went on, it, it felt less like its own city and more like he just shot in a bunch of other cities. Yeah, because especially the, the Narrows being such a big part of Batman Begins. The nar- there's just this, like this dirtiness. There's this really like a lot of browns and like everything's grimy and um, it, it has personality, you know, uh, which I think it, was lost a little bit in the the following movies. Right. And I never I, I don't know if this is something that they explore in the following movies. Is is the Narrows no longer around because of the events of Batman Begins or is it just is it does no one go there? I, I don't know. I mean, we haven't really even gone to, like, the plots of these movies. Fair, but... uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah, and you went through the plots. You did a good summary. I Actually, I think there is one line in that because of the events of Batman Begins, Arkham Asylum isn't running. Or something along the lines of that. Like, I think a lot of the people that were in Arkham Asylum are in prison instead. Okay. I could be wrong, though. It's been a while since I've seen The Dark Knight. Um, but we... Sorry, I, I got us really off track. Um, we were comparing the love interest. Um, it, I, I don't know if you were hinting at this. Um, do you not think that Katie Holmes and Christian Bale have chemistry? No, I do. Oh, okay. I thought you were hinting that you don't think they do. No, I think they do. I think um, she's a much better love interest than Chase Meridian, and they give her more to do in the plot. Um, she, But her real importance is that she's Bruce's moral center. Yes. Right. She's the one that really... Um, pushes him away from getting revenge and looking at a, um, a more humane side of justice. Maybe humane is not the right word, but she, she, someone inspires him to, to go on his campaign. And so I, 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 I think that, I mean, it's so hard to compare them because I feel like, Rachel Dawes is such a, such a more realized character than um, than Chase Meridian. I will say, and I don't think this is fair, that I believe that Kay Holmes was nominated for a Razzie for it. Oh, um, but it might have part of it might have been with uh, her association of Tom with Tom Cruise at the time. Uh, you were right. She was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award. Yeah, I don't think that's fair at all. 
Um, um, I mean, certainly I not she, the best actress, but I thought that she was good. Yeah, I think she's she's good in the role. And um, like I was saying, I think I appreciate that she actually has a character. Like she's not there just to be a love interest and just throw herself at, at Bruce and Batman. Like she has her own, um, she has her own mission. She has her own, um, plans and her own, um, story within this. And even at the end, she's, it's not about her having a romantic relationship with, with Bruce. It's, you know, her learning who he is and, and supporting his, um, his fight against crime. So I, I think that, I don't know it, it, you could not get to more differently written, um, love interest. I think. Interestingly, I did mention Tom Cruise. Both were married to Tom Cruise at one point. Oh yeah. Really? I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. Nicole Kidman was married to Tom Cruise. Oh, okay. Then. Um, I just well, thought that was interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. There's like a, like a was it separation of six degrees thing going on there. Um, what about, um, for Rachel Dawes, she obviously appears again in, in the dark Knight, but she's portrayed instead by, um, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Do you have a, a preference for one actress over the other? Oh, I definitely prefer Katie Holmes. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah, I just uh, I just didn't think there was anything between Maggie Gyllenhaal and Bale. I mean, they hardly have any scenes together, and I just it was really hard coming from Batman Begins into the Dark Knight, kind of just like buying it as the same relationship. I think they really mm-hmm. missed the big opportunity to bring Katie Holmes back. Do you know why she didn't come back? Well, some people have played Tom Cruise, but who even knows? Okay, yeah, I, I don't know the reason. Um, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought you would like Maggie Jim Hall. I mean, she's fine. Yeah. I don't think she's anything special, though. Okay. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if I would um, necessarily say either one gives a better performance. I, I think they're both really good in the role. Um, I really like Rachel Dawes as a character, though. I think... Be she originated from Batman Begins, right? She's not based on any. Yeah, I think she's book. an original character. Yeah. So, so what's so Chase that, Meridian? Yeah, but Chase Meridian's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so that that's not fair, I guess. But the the fact that Rachel Dawes is a that there are so many love interests for for Batman in the comics, and so for for them to introduce an original one and for her to work so well after having such weak love interests, I think was really important. Um, I know we keep going back to Batman and Robin, but who is he even dating in that one? Like Bruce Wayne's dating someone, but she's really just a, like a footnote character. Yeah. I don't even know if she has a name. Yeah. She definitely has a name. I just don't have any idea what it is. Um, so I, know, I, I think Rachel Dawes is one of the highlights, I think, of the Dark Knight trilogy. And one of the reasons why <laughs> Batman because it's a better movie than Batman Forever. 
But before we go into kind of our rankings of the Batman movies, um, there was at least two other things I wanted to bring up. One is just the Robin of it all. I know you, you mentioned that Robin is in Batman forever. Um, and as far as I know, he's one of the, the only times we've had a, well, he's the only Robin origin in film, unless you count, um, the dark Knight rises in their take on Robin. But how do you feel about Robin in Batman forever? I like him mostly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I could see how some people would find him annoying, but I would find him much more annoying in Batman and Robin than he was in this movie. <laughs> um, I think they, they did a really smart job of aging him up because if he was any younger, it would not have worked. Yeah, that was a good call. Um, the, they had considered adding Robin to some of the other movies. Uh, I think um, Tim Byrne had actually wanted to cast like Marlon Wayans as Robin. That would have been interesting since he would have been the first black Robin. Um, and I think that there was discussion in the 89 one of having Kiefer Sutherland as Robin, but that fell through. Uh, it, it just interesting to what it could have been, but I think Chris O'Donnell was pretty good in this movie. Uh, I mean, yeah. he certainly has a brattiness to him, but I think that's part of his, I guess that's part of his arc. Right. Of him coming to terms with you know or i guess maturing as a character but i i really like parts of this depiction of robin partially because i i like robin a lot as a character and i'm disappointed that he hasn't appeared in more movies and i think that chris o'donnell he does it a good job in, in what he's um, set out to do. I, I think compared to the, the younger depictions of, of Robin in the comics, I, I think you're right. It, they had to age him up. I think it, it, it only works in a film if they do that. Um, otherwise it just doesn't work. I, I know that Batman forever is not the most grounded movie, but as soon as you put like a, like a like a ten year old next to Batman, I feel like you you can't really take him seriously, right? So, um, I will say there are a few weird things they do with Chris O'Donnell. Like, I don't understand why he starts doing um, karate when he's doing laundry. Oh, uh, I remember the commentary being that uh, Joel Schumacher wanted to make him look cool and for all the girls to be interested in him. So it's like, that's, how can I make him look cool? So you're going to make him use socks as nunchucks? Yeah. That's stupid. That's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I, I don't know. It, it's a funny moment. I, I appreciate his, his wink to Alfred as he leaves. And I, I think that's the thing about Robin's character that I, I like the most is I think Chris O'Donnell has really good chemistry 
with um, Michael Gauss' Alfred. Yeah, I think they work well. And this is where I transition into the most important question of all. Who is the better Alfred? Michael Gow or um, or Michael Caine? Uh, I, I respect both of them too much. Um, I mean, Michael Caine would probably always be my Alfred, personally. <laughs> yeah. He's just so, you know, full of wisdom and... But that's sort of there's a sort of sassy. <laughs> oh, he's so sassy. Michael Caine's Alfred is the sassiest character in any of the movies. Whereas Michael Gow's Alfred is much more grandfatherly. But I know I I really love both of them as Alfred. I think Alfred is really the the real MVP of these movies. And I think we do not talk enough about how great Alfred is. I think we all need an Alfred in our life. Fair. Um, on that note, is there, is there anything else you had in mind? I know I, it sounds like you, you wanted to talk a little about the music. Is there just any, anything before we wrap up that you want to say about that? Uh, I just want to say that these movies are Batman forever is very much like, a commercial like piece of art like um it had the seal song uh it had like a whole album uh of like artists who like contributed to like music inspired by the movie which was like the thing to do back in the day right whereas there's nothing like that for Batman Begins. And I'm not saying that one is necessarily better than the other, but it does make me, even though I much prefer Batman Begins over Batman Forever, all the, like, like the fact that there's, like, an album or, like, a, or, or like songs you can pick for the movie there's it's a lot more nostalgic mm. even if the product that it's associated with isn't as good i would agree with that like did you know i i read this and of course you didn't know uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, kiss from a rose won best record and best song at the grammys Okay, I did not know that. I yeah, that. I, I was just looking at. It, I was like, seriously? I, yeah. So it's like, as opposed to Batman Begins, they don't have any songs to be submitted to the Grammys. <laughs> just has Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. Oh, I mean, and their their um, score, I think, is great. Uh, it has a lot of bombast to it, but also a lot of emotion. Um, but I also like Elliot Goldenthal's, uh, score for Batman Forever. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's pretty memorable. It's definitely very different. It's, there's sort of a jazziness to it. I agree. I really wasn't expecting that or forgot about that, um, until I rewatched it. And 
there is a lot of jazz um, influence in it. And I, I really liked the Batman Forever Squared more than I remembered. Well, yeah, this is this was also they they went over. It was uh, Tim Burton had uh, Danny Elfman do the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie has a different Batman theme than the other uh, the other ones does, as does uh, Batman Begins. They all have their own Batman theme. Uh, which has the best Batman theme though. I mean, if you, if you talk to somebody like Danny Elfman, he, he, he is very like Batman has only had one theme. It's my theme. I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with that. I think that they're all valid. Um, the correct answer is the Batman theme from Adam West Batman. That is the best Batman theme. At me. Or not, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I interrupted you mid-train of thought. Which may be appropriate considering in Batman Begins they derail a train. Oh. I had to, I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry. But yeah, any other thoughts on the scores before we, we go in for the close? I don't think so. Well, my my last kind of question, or my second or last question is, which of the movies do you think is better and or which do you enjoy more? Because I know that may not be the same answer. I mean, in this case, it is the same answer. It's Batman okay. Begins. <laughs> uh, Batman Begins is just a... Whereas there's definitely entertaining parts of... Batman Forever. The Batman Begins is just so, so much more engaging. I feel like as a viewer, mm-hmm. um, like you really like feel for the characters. Like you're invested in, you know, what their goals are and stuff like that. You know, it makes you think a a little bit about you know the characters differing philosophies about justice and stuff like that it's just there's 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 more there and batman forever has a certain level of darkness that's still there but i think again like this is a movie where batman doesn't even remember why he's batman <laughs> yeah, he just kind of. So and there's just like a lot. There's it. a lot of fluff. Uh, but it's a good Robin origin story. Yes, yes. I. Yeah, I. I feel like we did not talk nearly enough about Robin, and I. I feel bad about that. So, Chris O'Donnell, please, if you're listening, please, please forgive us. Join us on the next podcast. Um, maybe we can talk about NCIS Los Angeles or something. Um. I am going to partially agree with you. Only partially. I think that Batman Begins is definitely the better film. And I like it better. I, I think I um, intellectually like it better. I think I like the action better. I think I like performances better. I think all of those things. 
I definitely like better. But in terms of enjoyment, there's just something silly and goofy about Batman Forever that's kind of endearing. Um, when, when I was deciding which one of these to watch first, um, I went for Batman Forever um, first, not because of chronological reasons, but more because I wanted something lighter and more whimsical. And I knew I wasn't going to get that from Batman Begins. Like Batman Begins is, it's not a depressing movie by any means, but it's, it's one that I think requires you to be, I don't know, ready for a more serious superhero movie. Um, Whereas Batman Forever is like a poppy Saturday morning cartoon that I don't really have to think about. And I can laugh at how ridiculous and over the top it is. And so for that reason, I enjoy Batman Forever somewhat more, but like Batman Begins a lot more. Does that make any sense or am I just, you know? No, that makes sense. Okay. Want to make sure I wasn't just... Speaking utter nonsense. Um, with with that in mind, where would you rank these two films among all of the different Batman films that have been released? Um, and I don't need you to give me a number because I know we tried that last time when we talked about Batman eighty nine, and we we went on a very long tangent about thinking of all the Batman movies exist because there's a bajillion of them. But roughly, where would you rank these two? Uh, right now I'd have to, now I have to like rewatch the dark Knight. but Batman begins is like right at the very top. Uh, it might be tied with the dark Knight. I mean, I feel like as like a, a movie solely focused on Batman, like this is the best Batman movie we've ever gotten. Like Batman, you know what I mean? Right. Not like a movie that is about Batman, but it's really focusing more on the Joker or really focusing more on, um, Bane and uh, some of the other characters. Is is that what you're going for? Kind of. Uh, it's just the reason why the Dark Knight is good is not part of it's because of it's good is because of Batman, but the reason that it's really good is because of the Joker and Two Face. Right. Whereas the reason why the biggest reason why this movie is good is because of Batman. I see. And so that's what makes it more of a Batman movie. Yes. Okay. Um, as far as Batman Forever, uh, I mean, I guess it's closer to the bottom. It's above Batman or Robin. Um, uh, it's probably tied with Batman versus Superman. Um, Batman versus Superman is probably a better movie. Uh, I some people might disagree, <laughs> uh, but in terms of enjoyment that I get out of it versus how much I'm interested in it, mm. they're about the same. But you couldn't they couldn't be more different from each other. Yeah. So yeah, I, near the bottom though. Okay, I will once again mostly or partially agree with you. Uh, I definitely think Batman Begins is one of the top tier Batman movies. It's up there with Dark Knight. Um, it's up there with um, Batman Mask of Phantasm, if you're including animated Batman films. Batman Forever 
low tier for sure. I would rank it above Batman v Superman. I I know I might piss some people off saying this, but I continue to believe that movie is somewhat garbage. Um, not total garbage, but you know, light garbage. <laughs> like o- like only on the top of the dumpster, not the stuff that's kind of gone all the way to the bottom and settled it and kind of like really turned it a mush. Like just the top level. Um, and I also think I like Batman Forever more than Batman Returns. Okay. Which I think may also be another controversial take, but I've never been able to get into Batman Returns. And it's it's been a little while since I've seen that, so maybe that'll be a, a podcast for another day whenever that anniversary comes up. But I I, I think it is well worth looking back into these movies, especially considering that we're, we're never, we're never going to stop getting Batman movies. And I think that these are two very good places for, um, the people involved with the next Batman movie to, to look for inspiration and see what things to do and what things to avoid. So it, I guess all, all yeah, that I mean, maybe just, looking at Batman forever, mostly for things to avoid. <laughs> maybe like what, I mean, is there anything you think they should take from these movies or anything you think they should definitely avoid for the, I the think Batman? if they're ever going to do Robin again, they should definitely look at this movie. But uh, as far as things to consider what worked. Mm. I would agree with that. I think and also, they... I don't know, maybe if they want us, you know, I don't know who's doing the score for the next Batman movie. If they want it to be, different from Hans Zimmer. They want it to be its own thing. Just look at what all the, you know, Batman scores have been like. Um, I, I just looked it up and it's supposedly Michael Giacchino. Really? That's, that's what I'm seeing. That could actually, his style is a little more jazzy, so it could be more like, uh, Elliot uh, Golenthal's, uh We'll just have to see. Right. Yeah, these Michael Giacchino, if you look at like The Incredibles, that is a very jazzy jazzy score. Um, yeah, and I think that the biggest thing I want from the next Batman movie is just something different. Because um, as much as I, I enjoy and um, love the Dark Knight trilogy and um, you know, do find enjoyment, even if I don't think it's particularly good from the, from the Schumacher films. Um, I want to see them do something different with it just because I don't, if you're going to just keep rebooting the same franchise over and over again, I feel like if you don't do something different with it, then you're not really justifying going back to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we want to see Batman have to register the Batmobile at the DMV. Well, that's just something (laughs) we want to see. And and then we'll have the DMV as the, the villain. That's where the joke will work. It'll be complete anarchy there. Um, <laughs> well, Aaron, I want to thank you for for taking the time to talk with me about um, these two Batman movies. I, I enjoyed our discussion on them. Um, as we get closing, um, how about you tell everyone where they can find your, your latest writing and work? So um, I'm at Aaron Sarnecki on Twitter. Uh, 
Uh, as we're recording this, uh, there's one more episode of Quiz, which is a UK series uh, that's been playing on AMC for the past few weeks. Uh, it's all about a cheating scandal uh, for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? It's based on a true story. Uh, so I'll be reviewing... Um, I don't think my second review... As, as I'm recording this, is up yet, but uh, I will be reviewing the conclusion of that, and you can find that on the pop break. Awesome. Sounds good. And if anyone is interested in finding my work, uh, when I remember to retweet it, um, you can find it um, at Josh Swinecki on Twitter. Um, but as always, make sure to check the pop break um, for my latest um, writing. Uh, I have another couch potato column coming out this month. Um, it has not been uh, published yet, but I'm hoping it will come up uh, by the time this podcast airs. So uh, please keep an eye for that. Um, I will only say that um, this it's a bit of a more serious one and a bit more related to um, current events. And I, I think it's um, worth reading if, if people are interested. Um, and otherwise, just uh, continue to look out for a new podcast here, um, including the Breakcast, um, the um, new series of podcasts we have from our uh, TV editor, Alex, on the uh, series and season finales of shows. Um, you have more anniversary um, podcasts from Aaron and I, um, as well as a host of other podcasts um, on a variety of subjects. So, um, stay tuned to your, your news feed and to your um, podcast feed for more content and check out the popbreak.com for the latest news, reviews and interviews all on your favorite pop culture. Um, once again, this was Aaron and Josh Renecki talking about Batman Begins and Batman Forever for their 25th and 15th anniversary. Uh, I may have mixed up the order of that, but that's OK. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining us. And we'll see you again. Same bat time, same bat hour. Or bat channel. I messed it up. <laughs> we'll roll with it.